Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello and welcome to Gaze on Film. This podcast is where we, a pair of gays, talk about what we're watching. I'm Ned. And I'm Declan. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about the first gay rom-com to come out, see what I did there, (laughs) of a major Hollywood studio. It's bros. Um, Remember, before we proceed, there will be plenty of spoilers. So uh, take that as a warning and proceed with caution. Yes. What are you doing? Nothing. You just looked at me funny. Uh, what have you been up to? How are you doing? I was waiting for that, yeah. like, what have you been up to? Um, it's been a while since we last recorded, because for a long time we were doing two a week. Mm. So we're now down to one a week at the minute, whilst we're a bit busier. Yeah. And just looking at the kind of news, what we've been watching, it's a lot. So because, much to talk about. Yeah. Um... um do you want it, to talk about films first or news? Let's do what we've been watching first, yeah, shall we? Yeah. But first, are you okay? I'm good, thank you. Yeah. yeah thanks for Got asking. Got a nice haircut, yeah. which is really good for a... Fresh today, audio. thanks, Naomi. Um, My barber. Yeah. <laughs> really good for an audio medium to talk about something visual. Yeah. I mean, it's good to... Great content. Bring doing... our listeners in. Make them feel like they're in the room with us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You go first then with what you've been watching because the last one on your list will then lead into my list. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I watched Rosalind. Did I talk about this on the last episode or not? I couldn't remember how far back to go. I don't think so, no. In, uh, in Letterboxd. So if I've not talked about it, then... Yeah, I'll go with that. I don't Rosalind. think you did. Do you want me to have a look to see if it was on the show notes of the last one? I don't think it was. Okay. I, I didn't fill in the show notes. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Get a slap on the wrist for not doing my homework again. Yeah. It is basically a retelling of Romeo and Juliet from the perspective of Romeo's ex-girlfriend, Rosalind. Um, is this the Netflix one? No, it's on Disney Plus, actually. Oh. But it's, it's got, a streaming film. Yeah, it's yeah. got her from uh, Booksmart in it. You know the one that's a lesbian in Booksmart? Caitlin Dever. Is that her name? The one who was in Ticket to Paradise? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was fine. It was a bit weird. <laughs> Scare then. <laughs> wow. No, it was fine. I, yeah, it didn't really offer me anything new. And I don't know. It took me like three sittings to watch it because I just wasn't asked. 
Um, so yeah, that's fine. Uh-huh. All I've got to say on it, to be honest. Watch it if you want to, but I'm not going to recommend it to anyone. What did you give it? Two and a half. Oh. Just shy of a recommendation. Did, mm. I, get, did I even give it that much? I don't know. I will move on to the next film. Go on, tell me about what you've watched. So, oh, I, oh, I gave it one. One? <laughs> I didn't like it. That's gay then. Yeah, I didn't like it. I feel like in your head, two and a half stats probably what it was, but you No, just I think I was it. trying to be polite, like keep the tone light for the podcast, but I didn't actually like it. Is that two films you gave one stars to lately? Yeah, I'm going to come on to another another one star. In Go a on then. Oh, do you want it now? Yeah. So I've been doing a bit of a Planet of the Apes back catalogue watch. Um, the first of which I really enjoyed came out in 1968. You might remember me talking about it. I thought you were going to say you might remember it. <laughs> <laughs> and the second one came out two years later. It's called Beneath the Planet of the Apes. And I'm just going to read you my letterboxed review because... I've heard this, but yes, go on, because it is quite funny. It's the sequel that added nothing, went nowhere, and left nowhere else to go. Yet somehow there are eight more films to see. <laughs> so, I mean... Uh, yeah, in short, I really didn't like it. Some of them do. Some of them are really good, the more modern ones, which I've told you about, but... Uh, I think it's the fact that I've heard the really the modern ones are really good has made me want to watch them all anyway, so... I mean, I don't mind watching a one one star film. Sometimes it's nice to hate watch things. It is, yeah, cathartic. Very true. Very true. Um, yes, I think that's all I need to say about that film, isn't it? I would say so. Yeah. Watch Knives Out. We did. I watched that one with you. Yeah. Um, just with the sequel coming out soon. Um, I probably liked it more. I think I gave, originally when I watched it, I gave it four star and I nudged up my letterbox this time to four and a half. You've gone at four and a half? I've yeah. gone in at four. Maybe if I watched it again, I'd like it I just more. thought it's really, really well executed. Like mm. every bit is a proper twist and a turn mm. and it's got you invested. Mm. And I think something about maybe seeing it when you know what's happened almost made it more satisfying. Which yeah. is weird, because I guess with a murder mystery, it shouldn't really be that way. But it I just find it a no, really, really it, yeah. well-made and executed film. Yes. Um, um, and it did really well to bring murder mysteries back, because they seem to be everywhere at the minute. So. Um, oh, you know when you notice things in films and you're like, I really need to know if that was an intentional choice or if I'm just seeing things. Mm-hmm. From Knives Out... Daniel Craig's accent, as he pronounces Marta, which is Martyr. her name, but he says it like Marta, as in someone that dies for what they believe in, and I couldn't help but think there was some symbolism in there. Not quite that she died, but... We'll have to ring Ryan Johnson and find out, won't mean? we? There's just, yeah. Yeah. And you can always tell a film's good when you start noticing things that you can't tell if they were intentional or not. Mm. Mm. Like that scene in Nope. Nope. With the horse. We always say nope weirdly. It's because it's weird to go, have you seen nope? Yeah. I was asking your friends nope. that this weekend. Have you seen nope? It's like, have you seen nope? <laughs> um, There's no yeah. easy way to say that, is there? There isn't. No easy way to really Google it either. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, also, a little way in to what 
like we're planning in the future. We're going to do a Battle of the Pinocchios, which we started the watch yeah. of last night. So to that... celebrate the release of Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Pinocchio. There is obviously more adaptations than three, but we've gone with the Disney classic, which was the 1940, um, the live-action remake, which came out this year that neither of us have seen yet, and then Guillermo del Toro's new one that's coming out in December, which is a stop-motion animation version, which is getting fantastic reviews from the film festivals at the minute. So I'd seen it years ago but you hadn't seen the original i found it quite scary it is quite scary Mm. i found it hilarious that little cat what's the cat called i keep forgetting the cat's name figaro figaro was well funny Mm. honestly didn't have a right little titter and then you were laughing at me laughing because i felt very infantile yeah laughing at like tom and jerry type jokes yeah but they're just the best Mm. (laughs) but yeah it's um i gave it Three and a half, I want to say. Did you give it three? Uh, yeah, three. It's fascinating to see a film that was set in the 1940s that still resonates with its message. <laughs> Do you know what I can't believe? And I don't know Not why set I can't in the 1940s, it, but made. I don't know when it's set. Uh, I think... It doesn't really I have a Pinocchio setting, does it? an Italian folk story. It is, so yeah. It'll be, it could be anywhere. Um... I couldn't believe how much tobacco and alcohol was oh, involved. Oh, yeah, I know. Like, I know it was 1940, but... Kids smoking. That's nuts. It was weird, wasn't yeah. it? I'm surprised it didn't have, like, a, a warning at the beginning as well. Just to say, you know, this film was made in 1940, especially with it being on Disney+. Plus. Well, I don't know. Apparently don't know the new season of The like Crown's it. getting a warning at the start of each episode, to remind people that it's fiction. Mm. That's so silly. Yeah. Um, and then Leeds Film Festival has started, so we're hoping to go to a few screenings. We've got a few planned. Um, we are really busy at the minute, yeah. and a lot of the screenings are in the day. But... Did we go... When we went the other night, was it opening night? Yeah. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. It was packed. It was amazing to be in a cinema where the seats, I've never, like, I know. The seats were full. I was like, oh, my God, are we even going to be able to get a seat? But... Luckily, we have been granted one press pass between us. between us, which doesn't really work for the podcast. But they have said, like, infinitely grateful to Leeds infinitely grateful of course. Festival, though, thanks, team. Yes, I feel like you're like doing some PR on me there when I said it. You were like, well, I don't want it to come across like no, we're no, but like, the, it would be nice. But if the, we had the to, organizers have said but, the way yeah. that they run it at the minute is it's one per outlet, but yeah. in the future potentially once we. are bit more involved we will be able to get two so got one press pass which feels very weird as a movie buff that i am to be able to just walk into any screening as long as the seats it was fun going to pick that up for you actually i was like um got a press pass to pick up yeah felt very important so the opening night was a film called living always want to say living um (laughs) but which stars bill nye amy lou wood yeah the other one, the younger, the young guy, what's his name? I like him. I don't know. I think I've seen him in one other thing, but I like him. Anyway. And it was really, really so good. good. Yeah. So, so good. I think Bill Nye will be getting all of the awards, oh, or at least the nominations yeah, this this um, award season coming up. It was yeah. just, it was, like, you come out and you're like, what a bizarre film. But it wasn't bizarre. It was just very, 
understated. Like it left you with something, but you don't. You can't really recall why it's left you with the feelings that you've got. In terms of like genre, I would put it in with the likes of the Duke, the Phantom of the Open, uh, Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. Just like seemingly unassuming people doing great things. Yes. I would but say it's in that category, but the way it's made, yeah. the craft was a lot more on show than those other films, let's just yeah. say. Um, just beautiful. The aspect ratio was like a choice, which was great. Like the screen was like square in a way, wasn't it? Was it? I didn't notice that. Did you not? It wasn't, uh, yeah. Um, just the way it, it looked like it was made on film, like it looked like it crackled. Yeah. Um, it was just really good and really yeah. good to see Amy Lou Wood. Yes. Yeah. Um, in another role outside of sex education, she was kind of perfect for that. That. I hope we see lots more of her. I really enjoy her acting. Yeah, I do. I do sometimes think she might be getting a bit. Not typecast because if you do something really well, then it's good. But it's like she almost plays that little bit of comic relief. But I don't know. You look like you don't agree with me. I'm just trying to get to where you are. I don't, yeah. I don't think that she was only in there for comic relief. Well. I think she offered some. She did. But do you know what? Yeah. It's just like I feel like you know what you're getting already when she's cast, but what you were getting was perfect for this role. For me, it's her lovely accent. Yeah, she does have a nice accent. Yeah. yeah. A bit northern. Yeah. Mm. Um, Before we fly through some telly that I've been watching, um, All Quiet on the Western Front. Have the... we not recorded since we watched that? No. No, we haven't. Sorry, listeners, we've been neglecting you. I think it's because... I don't think we have. Basically. I'm going to check the show notes. I think what I'd done is I'd left All Quiet on the Western Front to talk about an episode that we didn't end up recording. Do you get me? Oh, I do get you. So, Well, yeah. I loved it. It was a beautifully put together One of the best war film. anti-war message films. You know, even that it was from the perspective of the Germans didn't matter because it just shows that we were... Either side or whatever side was just pawns to political decisions of higher ranking people. Um, It does start on Netflix, which Empire Podcast discussed, which I would say would ruin it a little bit for me, dubbed in English. Did it Um, though? Yeah. When we put it on, it didn't start like that. It It had the English subtitles. And we changed it. They had it Cockney accents. No, we changed it because we were like, oh, we don't need the subtitles on because we thought that it, it being in German, the English subtitles would come up, but it came up with the like I think, description subtitles as well. And then we moved it onto English, then they had the Cockney accents, and then we changed it back to how it Oh, well, everyone defaulted. else has been saying it, I know. it defaulted, dubbed as I know, I've heard English, that. and I thought that's what happened with ours as well. No. Um but watch it in German with subtitles. I think we're all beyond the point now where I can't do subtitles. It's off-putting. We can all do subtitles oh, because it opens our that. eyes to a lot of different 
films and yeah. different types of movie making. And I think I know more people now whose default Netflix settings have subtitles. Exactly. On, so I don't do subtitles. It's pathetic. I think Parasite did a lot for people yeah. watching it's foreign pathetic. language films. Yeah. Um, I mean, how could you not? I almost eye roll now when you hear that they're doing it like an American remake. It's yeah, like, it's why silly. can't you just watch the... Just watch the film. I know, I know. So, yes. Yes. I'll just fly through some telly quick. Go on. Um, finish this England. Didn't really like it. I would probably give it two star in the end. Felt like every episode was the same. Um, I felt like it painted Boris in a pretty neutral light. Um, what I got from it is he literally did fuck all. Mm-hmm. Like, I know we know that, but all he seemed to be doing was just like fanning on yeah like one of those men that come in a room don't actually do anything and then take all the credit from yeah it gets but like it was literally like he wasn't doing Shock, anything horror <laughs> um mediocre straight white cis man <laughs> <laughs> white lotus is back with season two with a whole new cast apart from jennifer coolidge but i absolutely loved it um it feels a bit derogatory to just give a shout out to the big willy but I'm going to. Thirsty. <laughs> um, what's he called? Theo James. Is that what he's called? I think not. I'm not really bothered <laughs> what he's too called. distracted to learn his name. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but yeah, really good. I love how it's like, eat the rich, can't stand them all, but you're also, it's so cleverly written that you almost care about them all as well. I um, would like um, to point out the clever, ca- well, the brilliant casting of Aubrey Plaza. I think she'll be very good in that role. Yeah, she's just been cast in Marvel as well. Oh, has she? That's exciting. I like her. Agatha House of Harkness she will be in. Will she? Yeah, I don't know why I'm doing an ASMR video. Um, I think we should do an ASMR episode one day. as well, which you really need to catch up on so we can do our first TV episode in when Andor finishes in about four weeks. In total? Twelve. Right, I've I think some, we're on eight. I've got some watching. So stop to watching do. films for a bit and watch Andor, please. How dare you? So many um, films to watch. I know there's so much telly to watch. So obviously, this episode we're discussing bros, and we always ca- try to talk about some general news of what's been going on in the movie TV world. So what, in the spirit of bros, and this being a particularly queer episode, we just wanted to talk about Kit Connor being forced to come out. And to voice our support for him yes. as well, because it's a nasty state of affairs when you get forced out of the closet. Yeah, I mean, it was quite sad, like, he, the way he came back to Twitter to, Twitter to j- literally just tweet, there you go, I'm bisexual, hope you're all happy now, see you later, bye. Mm-hmm. And, like, I know that the filming season two of Heartstopper as well, and I just think how much love surrounded that. Yeah. first season when it came out and it will have been tarnished in some way for him because he'll be like you know if I were him I'd be like everything I'm doing is it gay enough what am I going to come across like even though he's acting mm-hmm. but I just think just an ugly side of the internet like he's well, is he 18 17 yeah, he's, 18 he's like, 18 let he's... him figure it out himself yeah but maybe what we discussed in bros might start like, to... The thing that gets me about it all is Heartstopper was... It was about letting people 
do the self-discovery themselves. Yeah. And, like, nurturing the space for them to do that. So, obviously, everybody's missed the point because they've been going on and on and on, accusing supposedly straight people for capitalising off of the LGBTQ label. Oh, I'm just so bored of it. And, like, Rebel Wilson was forced out of the closet earlier this year. Yeah, that's true. Equally traumatic. Just because she's an older adult doesn't make it any less stressful and unfair and unethical. And, oh, it's just horrible. Like, queer people aren't there to be pointed and laughed at unless they choose to be. Very true. So stop pointing. I think that's why I didn't get on with Heartstopper to start with. Because I know it was fiction, but it very much felt like fiction. Because to me, it was young skewing. But the young skewing, I meant that like life isn't like that. For queer people, unfortunately, it's mm. quite a lot harsher than the portrayal of it. Which I don't know if they kind of showed it as an highly idealised, let's hope it gets like this one day. Well, I mean, but... there are schools doing it right as far as... Um, teaching kids, but it almost had right that stuff. like sex education gloss over it, where yeah. it almost exists in like this fictionalized world where none of it really is a problem. Well, yeah, but that's the point of of art, isn't it? It's not a documentary. It's no, I know, but just saying how his experience, Kit Connor's experience yeah. now in real life, has been unfortunately probably what the harsh reality of life is like. Yeah, and then. Heartstopper's like this little lovely bubble of acceptance and yeah. non-judgment. And yeah. 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 Basically, people just stop, need to stop accusing people of capitalising off of queerness. Yeah. And just live and let live. Yeah, very true. I think that's everything. I did write yeah. that something about Doctor Who having a bigger budget, but I feel like we've been going on for quite a while now, so we should probably move on to... Yeah, I mean, we did mention it last week anyway, didn't we? Oh, did we? I think so. It's been confirmed now that it's literally going to be millions, so Ned's yeah. not particularly happy about that. But no. in Russell T. Davies, we trust, and I think even though it'll be more expensive, it could still look have that Oh, I don't doubt. I will, still ex- I will still enjoy it given that Russell T. Davis is writing it. Yeah. Um, but for me, part of the a big part of the charm about Doctor Who is the low-budget, bad C- uh, CGI, practical effects. I hate bad CGI, no matter oh, what. I love it. Anyway, trailer of Trash or Treasure? Let's do it. Okay, so in this segment, we rate a trailer that has been released in the last week and look forward to... A future release. I think we might need to write. I think we should maybe do that. You can do intro. that for me. Yeah, I'll add um, that to the script. Remember that the link of the show notes, uh, the link to the trailer is in the show notes, so you can watch along if you wish. Today we are going to be doing the official, not the teaser, which I think we did before, trailer for Avatar, The Way of Water. Shall we dive straight in? Let's. Pardon the pun. What did you think of that then, King? Oh, I'm so excited. I know mm. I've kept saying it seems to be internet 
people who say no one's interested, but I could not be more interested. And when I saw this week that apparently it's over three hours long, I was like, get in. The more time in Pandora, the better. Yeah. Um, We get a bit more of an idea of the plot now. It looks like... So I think we touched on before that Sigourney Weaver is back, but obviously she her character died at the end of the last film. So she's na- now playing the daughter of... Jake and Natiri. Mm. Jake Sudi. Um, and she's like, I can feel a connection, which everyone's probably like, it's probably Ewa she could, the tree and the spirit she can feel. That's not what I get from but it. But some people, uh, we think we, she can feel Sigourney Weaver's character. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. But then they did use the tree of life to try bring her character back, so maybe it's like both of them in a way. I think it's um, too literal an interpretation of Awa as a thing. I, I mean, it could be that she can feel Awa, though, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, no, but the point of like the whole spiritual identity of... Oh, I'm going to get really geeky here. <laughs> the point of the whole <laughs> spiritual identity of the Navi is that Awa is everywhere and everything. So, I mean, technically, they can all feel Awa all the time. Oh, I'm excited to sit to us to discuss our Avatar episode to see if we were right yeah. or wrong. Um, anyway, I'm going to leave it with, leave that at that point. I think. But it looks beautiful. It does. There's lots of new creatures. <gasps> to stick your sea hair creatures in. as well. They look like they're going to be really cool. Yeah. Um, looks beautiful. Looks like it's going to have some message again of something or some sort. Um, Yeah, just all round pretty cracking. Yeah. Wasn't it? It was. Brilliant. Not long now. About five, six weeks. Mm. So that's the marketing ramping up for Avatar. So, yeah. On to the feature, the main feature, what we're calling it. Anything but the main event. Yeah. We'll call it the feature. The main feature. <laughs> Is that what you just said? I don't know. <laughs> right. Pulling back the curtain again. The ah, is Ned needs to write a little bit of a blurb about how we introduce Trailer Trash or Treasure. Yeah. And then you also need to come up with what this main bit is. Yeah. But let's move on, shall we? Yes. Let's. That's your homework, Ned. Thank you. <laughs> How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. 
Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Bros. It's bros. Bros? Bros. Bros. Yes. So, let's set the... I'm very, very excited to talk about this one. Like, I, yeah, love this film. So... Um, Do you want to do a plot synopsis or shall I? I can have a go. I've not written one, but it's pretty... I've written one. Oh, go on then. I mean, yeah, go on. So... Sit back and relax as you listen to this plot synopsis. Bobby, played by Billy Eichner, a proudly single cis-gay podcast host, first shows us the aspects of his single gay life. Um, So stuff like his diverse circle of friends, um, a little look into his sort of grinder sex life, his anger at the ignorance of many people about kind of queerness in general. Um, And pretty quickly into the film, he announces that the fourth, um, he announces the forthcoming opening of the first national LGBTQ plus history museum in the world. That was a mouthful. So in a bit, he meets Aaron, who's like this buff mask Stereotypically gorgeous gay guy. Yeah, played by Luke McFarlane. Yeah. Um, They meet at the launch party of a new gay dating app. Um, Another gay dating (laughs) app. Lol. (laughs) Um, Bit of light flirting from Aaron, but no obvious... Oh, his name's Aaron, by the way, did I say that? But no obvious interest in Bobby. Um, But then they start to go on some non-committal kind of dates... Um, And it's quite clear that Bobby thinks Aaron acts too straight and Aaron finds Bobby's intense gay energy a bit intimidating, especially when they um, they're like around queer circles um, of note. There's this event at the the future LGBTQ plus history museum um, and Aaron doesn't feel very comfortable, really. Anyway, as they continue to date, they begin to... Oh, my God. This Are you describing the full film here? Or We're is doing this... a plot synopsis. Oh, I thought it was like a synopsis. <laughs> Not the full shebang. I've left out lots of details. All oh, right, okay. <laughs> as they continue to date, they begin to peel back the layers uh, of each other's personalities and form the beginnings of what could be a solid bond. But a few months into dating, they have some group sex and Bobby's insecurities reveal that they can't see it working out. Um, because Aaron is built a certain type of way and likes men of a certain type of build, um, and that causes the you know the the quintessential will they won't they rift that is essential to any rom com. Yeah. Anyway, at the museum's opening night, which I'm the film has been <laughs> leading up to, there oh, is God. a wonderful grand gesture in the pair's reconciliation. Bobby wrote a hilarious and heartwarming and heartbreaking song about his feelings for Aaron. Um, and then we assume they live happily ever after. 
Right. Can we talk about it now? Yeah, I was just... Sorry, I'm just really excited to talk about this one. Go on. That I just wanted to get into it. Yeah. But the the first part of your synopsis was very much what Bobby does at the start of the film as a bit of an exposition dump, yeah. as he is recording a podcast, just as we are now. Relatable. Um, And I just thought even just the name of the podcast, The Eleventh Brick, was just so, so funny. funny. And I laughed so much during this film... And I... Oh my God, I've just had a a memory unlocked. Okay. Didn't you at one point want to do a podcast about like gay history and stuff called The First Brick? Yeah. Wow, yeah. I do listen to you. You do? Um, I'm quite happy with this podcast for now though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it just feels like a celebration of everything queer. And going into it after the American release, a lot of people were... And I need to always remember that Twitter is not real life. We're saying, like, no wonder it's flopped because Billy has done a film for straight people. I could not disagree more. Oh, well, if you, is that what they were saying? Loads of people were saying Stupid. it's flopping because he's made a queer film that's not aimed at queers. That is the biggest load of rubbish I've yeah. ever heard because... A crock of shame. If you don't know that? anybody gay in this film, if you're not someone who knows a lot of gay people, I would genuinely think you would be so lost watching this mm. and not understanding so many references. It's it's just so current. The jokes, the the topics, like one of the, the funniest jokes, which is in the trailer but is funny, is like there aren't any trans... Ter- oh, there's trans terrorists too, Caitlyn Jenner. And that just made me yeah. laugh out loud. But unless you are kind of consuming queer culture then yeah ever so slightly inclined to mildly disagree i reckon that straight people could still enjoy this if they like rom-coms even if they don't get every single no they could they could is what i'm saying but it's like people were saying as as if the film i don't think they'd be totally lost though which is what you just said i would have been lost about five years ago before moving to Leeds, mm. loads of those jokes would have gone straight over my head. Like, genuinely. Yeah, but you'd have still enjoyed the film. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying right. people are saying it was made for straight people to as oh, like a, it wasn't an there. access point to queer culture. No. But it's really it re you really dive into queer culture and yeah. it was I can see that as a film that contains just about every single ingredient you need for every single rom-com that's ever existed i can see where that perspective maybe has a bit of grounding but it doesn't hold up to any sort of scrutiny since this film was literally made by a bunch of queers for a bunch of queers yeah and that's what is unique with this one i think because it's not just a queer love story it is there's there's only two people i think in the film that aren't lgbt plus and they're very major roles, minor roles, and one of them's Deborah Messing, and one of them's Kristen Chenoweth, which I would excuse oh, either of a them. Couple, but I'm gonna, have I'm, I? I'm gonna come to me quiz in a minute where you're gonna have to identify the rest. So, but Deborah Messing was funny. Yeah, um, she had a bit more to do than Kristen Chenoweth, and when she had to do the when uh, Billy, what's he called? His Bobby. character, Bobby, Billy and Bob. That's. 
easy to get confused. Well, you when can tell Bobby, yes, I know we'll get yeah. to that. Um, when Bobby kind of takes all of his things that he's going through and says it all to Deborah Messing, who plays herself in this role because she's come round to the soon to open museum mm. to for funding discussion, hasn't she? Yeah. Um, and she just goes mad like, I am sick of gay men telling me all their problems. And I thought it was very funny. Um, Especially when she asked all the women in the room, like, if they had anything they wanted to share. And they were all like, no. And she went, see, lesbians have their shit together. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's funny. It just it just riffs off so so many current topics of that are in the ever-changing queer community. So I loved when he wins the award for the best cis male gay man. Oh, can I do my quiz? Because you just... I didn't know what was the in the quiz. I know Did you I... don't, but you're going to answer all of the questions. <laughs> Come on then, quiz me. Quiz is six questions. Okay. What award? Answer along with me, listeners, please. <laughs> what award did Bobby win at the ceremony at the beginning of the film? Well, I just deleted my notes, so I'm not sure... <laughs> Best Cis Male Gay Man Award. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes, fanfare. In the film, um, it pokes fun at Hallmark movies. Oh, I can only remember The franchise is called Hall Heart. Is it? I totally forgot. How many Hall Heart movies can you name? I can definitely do one. There are four that I found. Found? Or remembered. As in, as in, like, I remembered two. I think and I... And then I found the rest. And these were jokes, just before I answer, which were so subtle in the background in most things. And but so we were laughing funny. our heads up. Christmas with either... A bisexual rom-com. Yeah. <laughs> um, a big gay summit summit... Oh, um... <laughs> I know the one you're getting at. Do you want it? Can you give me a clue? The theme is polyamory. A big gay poly... Easter. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Christ. I don't know. Have a holly poly, poly Christmas. Oh, they're all Christmas films. They're all Christmas Cause films. Because it's Hallmark. It's oh, no. Christmas. Hallmark do all the films, though. Well. But yes. Yeah. Have a holly poly Christmas. Yeah, there are yeah. two more. They're a little bit less funny, but still funny. <laughs> I don't know them. Have yourself a heteronormative Christmas. That wasn't in the film. It was. Was it? Yeah. And Miracle on 34th Street, but there's one gay guy. <laughs> I do remember that one, actually, but I don't yeah. remember heteronorm. That one's rubbish. Okay. Um, um, I've got four more questions. Answer question away. What sport is Aaron's fetish? It's like tickling. I mean, is that a sport? Wrestling. There you go. Yeah. Um, which US president is supposedly gay? The Because uh, there's a big hoo-ha about it and there's yeah. protests. Abraham Lincoln. Correct. Yeah. Which winner of RuPaul's Drag Race is in the cast? Simone. Yes. I did like that she was in it. She was actually quite good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I liked her. Um, and here's the one that you've begun to answer already. How many straight ally celebrity cameos can you name? Deborah Messing. Yeah. Kristen Chenoweth. Yeah. There are four more. Are they, what gender are they? 
Three men and a woman. And a woman. Okay. Um, three more men. Yeah. Although, to be fair, two of them, I think, are American celebrities that nobody really knows outside of the States because I had to Google them. Oh, well, you're going to have to tell me then. Well, those two are Seth Meyers and Keenan Thompson. No. I've heard of Seth Meyers. That's right. a late night show, isn't it? Yeah. The Seth Meyers show. Yeah. yeah. You've got two more. I can't night tell you Night at the museum. Is this... Ben Stiller. Yeah. Yeah, he was, yeah. And this person portrayed Eleanor Roosevelt. No. Amy Schumer. Do I remember that bit? Yeah, I do. It was funny. Mm. Yeah. That's oh. the quiz. You did okay. Thank you. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, I don't need scoring. Okay. Well, you got. We've been going on a long time, and there's still lots to discuss. Okay. Get back to it then. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. What I liked about this is it feels incredibly personal from Billy Eichner. So. It seems like in a lot of press before he was like he's always been. He's never been attractive enough to be the leading man in Hollywood. So, you know, it's... You have to... The messages in this film are like full acceptance of who you are. You know, going past stereotypes. Him presuming that Luke won't fancy it. Not Luke. Aaron won't fancy him. That's his real name. Mm. Is like, actually move past all these stereotypes and he might actually fancier yeah and he does um i feel like him saying how he wants to be single is what a lot of particularly gay men do as kind of a barrier to be i'm fine i don't need a boyfriend well, if you or reject a partner. everybody else you can't be rejected yourself yes so i kind of resonated with that because i feel like i used to be like that before i met you Ah. um i definitely went through phases that like the night when you met me. Yeah. This will never be a thing. Listeners, if any of you know me, you know that I wouldn't say it like that. He said it exactly like that. Um and it's just Yeah, it's just really it seems really personal. I yeah. think that's why you get even more buy-in because it feels like it's been written from the heart. Um, where it's really clear that he's poured his absolute heart and soul into it is there's quite a few monologues in there that Bobby, he just kind of goes off on his excited, I'm so passionate about gay rights kind of rants. Um, and I think like the way that he pours like such a passionate delivery into those, it is the part of the film that I could forgive my straight loved ones for not really getting it. Yeah. All of the... Um, the monologues because he does kind of go off on it a bit and you only really get he's it. like that activist friend isn't it where yeah, you're you like really oh, get well, you just ran it in a second it. place yeah. like yeah but if you can get past kind of if you can allow yourself not to fully get everything that he's saying if you don't get it and really see like just how much he cared about writing them I mm. think that's that's a really important yeah way to consume this film because yeah. it is a teaching moment, as much as it is a hilarious rom-com. And what I... Talking of teaching moments, one of the reasons why, when Ned did the synopsis at the beginning, 
and he said about how Aaron finds Bobby a bit full on. He takes Aaron takes Bobby to meet his parents, which all goes quite well until Aaron's mum says that they shouldn't be teaching children about LGBT issues. And then it Bobby kind of goes off and can't hold his tongue anymore. Mm. And then that's kind of the breakdown of their relationship about two thirds through the film before yeah, they he kinda says like why can't you just can you just be a bit less you for Yeah, evening? which is scathing. Like It's it's cruel. Yeah. Is what that is. Like very mean. I tell you what, this is personal, okay? <laughs> if I'd have met you a few years earlier mm. and I was still quite internally homophobic, I could imagine me saying something like that to you or any yeah. loved one I had been with at the time. So I got that. Well, that's why I think it's worth mentioning as well, because a lot of gay people do feel that. Yeah. About their outspoken pals or peers. Femme shaming, is it? No. Well, well that does come into it, but not necessarily. Yeah, that's kind of a branch of it, but I yeah. think this is a bit more specifically like... Stop being too gay kind of vibes. Yeah, just don't... Yeah. Yeah, it's that whole, it's fine until you're rubbing it in my face. Yeah, and it's like, oh, what happened to him when he came out? He just got so much gear. It's like, well, maybe because he'd been repressed all of his life, now yeah. he's come out, he's happy. Holding it um, in. But I think we all used to say, well, I used to say that. Um, I've been known to say it as well. I didn't used to understand why Pride events existed when I was young and internally homophobic. I didn't homophobic. even know Pride was a thing until I went to Pride the first time ever and I had the best time. It was London and I was 15. It was so but nuts. That was fun. That's a story for another day. Yeah. Um, but obviously there are some important, well, quite a lot of important lessons, but one of the nice ones is the mm. last scene of the film is Aaron's, once they've reconvened and got mm. back together, Yeah. Aaron's mother has brought she's a teacher and she's brought her second grade class to the now open lgbtq museum which i thought was very nice um i also like the message of how aaron didn't want hated his job his corporate job and had always wanted to be a chocolatier yeah but he didn't want to do it because it was too flamboyant to be a chocolate maker but like bobby gave him the confidence to do that which i thought was very sweet Um, um and talking of them too They've got really, really, really good chemistry, these guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they definitely do. And I would have loved to have interviewed them. I know. Should we I talk about sure it? I going to mention that. Well, I've wrote it on my notes, and it's not because it's a negative. So I had told a couple of people that we were potentially going to do an interview with either Billy and Luke or the director, Nicholas Dollar, I want to say. That sounds right. Um, So we were on the roster to do it. Um... That just reminds me of Erica Jane. Everyone needs a raster um, of men she had sex with. Oh, okay. Um, My brain. Uh, <laughs> so, but what was amazing is that we were even having the discussion after 18 episodes and a c- couple of hundred followers and a thousand odd listens or wherever we're on we so really far. We really got a couple thanks. hundred followers. Across both. Oh, thanks. Um, Like... To even be within that conversation, um, yeah, and hopefully, nice. you know, we were gonna literally be on the um, 
junket, press junket. But what's interesting is, and I think this is going to become more common for us, is as you follow this podcast, we might talk about it a bit more, is I think we'll suffer not being in London sometimes. Well, we might just have to have a little bit of a travel budget. <laughs> Will we? Mm. Um, so, yes, that was a thing that we were meant to do that I wanted to just share. But, it, you know, we've done two amazing director interviews on this podcast so far. I'm sure we're going to do more. Um, but, yes, we've got big plans and it was great to even be within that, that conversation so far. Yes. So, Billy, if you ever want to do a one year down the line re-chat about bros we're available just pick up the phone yeah just we've got twitter and instagram although i don't know about twitter for much longer we'll no. see mastodon see what will be there. Goes. um yes um, oh one thing go on well i suppose it's a, a conversation starter than one well, more than one thing Ooh. um it's not a film about homophobia which many gay films do but still it reasonably accurately portrays the impact that homophobia has on people's lives. Yes, that's very true. Which I think is so rare in gay cinema, because, I mean, we've talked about it before when we were talking about um, In From The Side. Yeah. Um, Homophobia didn't even, like, get a mention in there, which was an intentional choice and led to what I think was a really good film. Versus other films where the gay storyline is, like, all about homophobia whereas this one didn't have any homophobia in and yet still managed to discuss internalized homophobia acceptance acceptance um and even managed to squeeze in the fun fact that i think is probably an i don't know if it's obvious or not but like it just sort of outlines the state of play for what it is to be queer in the 21st century. And the modern hangover, day in New York as well. The Hangover, the movie, is one of the most successful R- R-rated films mm-hmm. in the US, or is it the world? Anyway, and it basically follows the story of four men shouting homophobic slurs at each other. You really don't like The Hangover, do you? Actually, I really enjoyed The Hangover, so... But that's exactly my point. It didn't even flag to me that they said stuff like the F word um, on it. And yet this film managed to squeeze that little tidbit in um, and used it as a way of kind of giving balance to Bobby and Aaron's <laughs> perspective the false, then. of homophobia. Because mm-hmm. like Bobby's like... It's no wonder that people get homophobia. And Aaron's like, I didn't even notice that. Mm. And I think that is a conversation that a lot of queer people have. I agree. So I like that. Sex scenes were good. Yeah. Accurate, I think. Um, And they were done in like a rom-com type way as well. Yeah. Wasn't too like, we're making love kind of... No, it wasn't. Art housey film. It's like... It wasn't like mushy and gross it wasn't <laughs> particularly graphic mm. um it was just a just fun run-of-the-mill sex scene which yeah. i think we've 
been craving. <laughs> um, I liked all the bits in Provincetown. I always wanted to go to Provincetown, but I really, really, really want to go to Provincetown now. Yeah. Um, so that was fun. Which again managed to do a subtle nod to the HIV pandemic without even mentioning it. Explain that. Um, With Harvey Firestein's character. No. I don't know. Is that his name? There should be one with them voice like this. Yeah. 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 The one who played... I think he's been... I don't recognise him. He's been in Hairspray, the musical. Not the film, because obviously that was John Travolta, but he often plays... Yeah, no, I can see I think that. he was that role when yeah. it was first on Broadway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's exactly who I meant. Um, yeah. HIV reference, were you going to explain that? Was that? It, that was well. He just just thought, that he didn't have any there friends were, there were of his age. of all oh, his old yes. on the wall, and he said, yeah, I'm the last one, and then it moved on. It, like, nodded yeah. to it without becoming about it. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it was a romantic comedy. Exactly. So, yeah, it, it was really clever. managed to get so many layers into a run-of-the-mill yeah. romantic comedy. And still... I think, is a crowd pleaser. Yeah, I do. I do. Um, so, getting towards wrapping up then now. Yeah. Um, it took the Vito Russo test. And showed us all how it's done. And absolutely annihilated it. <laughs> um, nuked it. Um, and then I would also say that the Bechdel test is almost null and void because there was so many genders going on in this film mm. that it doesn't really matter. But yeah. an all-round inclusive, diverse film. Yeah. It was, on that, a gorgeous and romantic portrait of a world that is increasingly open-minded, understanding and inclusive of LGBTQs. But I suppose it is also important to remember, dear allies, that this ideal doesn't necessarily reflect the full view of reality. Yes. So, um, since its release in the US, there has been swathes of anti-LGBTQ legislation um, sweeping the states, and there's also this continued and tiresome trans debate in the UK culture wars, with very few, if any, influential trans voices welcome, let alone listened to. So I want like that context to be noted yeah. here, because the world is getting better for queers, but only if we try. Yeah, and we have to continue to try as yeah, well. Yeah, can't take our eye off the ball. So talking about that, I will say, I don't think the reason it's bombed at the box office is due to homophobia. No, though. I don't either. Um, I think it's bombed at the box office. One, doesn't really have any particular star power. No. And I think people are pretty used to just watching rom-coms like this on a streaming platform. Yeah, yeah. So and For I sure. Jeff and Jeff and I definitely think um, that that there's not much more to it. Like the cinema hasn't, yeah. Other than massive blockbusters, the cinema hasn't still fully recovered post pandemic either. Mm. Um, so yeah, I just think it was a. It's a shame because it probably means that more queer stories won't be told on the big screen at least. Well, there always um, has to for be a now. first. I know, and the first doesn't always be the best yeah um but the the industry's changing like i think sometimes now it might not just look at box office more and more they might say right well how many subscribers has it brought to yeah. whatever and so they, there might be other ways than just how much did it make at the box office but i'd love to see more films of this ilk because it was great mm. um yeah. 
And But yeah, I don't think it's due to America being homophobic because apparently no. even in very liberal queer cities like New York and LA, the turnout still wasn't great there. Yeah, no, that so. makes sense. I do think, though, if you are a rom-com fan and you still manage to not like this film, I can't really think of any other reason than you needing to have a long, hard look in the mirror and do some introspection. I think our listeners will like this um, film. Yes, of course, I trust our listeners better judgment better than that but i think that's worth saying just to anyone who maybe doesn't because it does have every ingredient of every classic wrong rom-com that you could possibly ask for um and not a single joke punches down yeah very true which i think is excellent yeah um still in cinemas for now um which you've probably already watched it if you've listened all the way through because we've talked about the full thing. Um, but if you want to rewatch, it probably won't be long before it's available on digital download as it I'll hasn't done great in cinemas. Um, and it's already on digital release in America due to its low box office just to try and get as many people watching it now. Um, so yeah, four star from me. Same. Four I think you give it well. four. Yeah. 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 Four star from me. Yeah. I think that's everything then. We're and that's you... all for this time. Oh. <laughs> it's like I was about to say, make a funny joke. Go on then. Giving you a good length this time. There we go. <laughs> if you have enjoyed this episode of Gaze on Film, please subscribe, rate and comment on your podcast platform of choice. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter, maybe soon to be mastered on. We are at Gaze on Film Pod. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Oh, I can't even begin to tell you, especially especially on this one. Quite so uh, <laughs> please do feel free to drop us a message. I have been Ned. And I... Oh, <laughs> I got so excited. <laughs> right, hang on. Oh. <laughs> and he and been... I have been Declan. <laughs> And this has been Gaze on Film. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs> if you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.